Welcome to episode number 12 of the Mastering Marriage Podcast, where our goal is to strengthen, unite, and restore your marriage. together with my husband David, we are the co-founders of MendarMarriage.com. And our goal is to break the back of divorce by bringing married couples together to be accountable, keep the passion alive, and expose the hidden issues that try to rip marriages apart. And we are back in the booth today with, of course, me and my fabulous husband, <laughs> David Taylor. Give me another call. That's That was good. I thought you was going to give me one more. We're back, guys. Dapper. Dapper? Okay. Slapper dapper. Whatever you want to say. Fine as wine. Fine as wine. All right. You drunk, right? You on some wine? Cause Black and a bear, sweet as the juice. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so, guys, welcome to the booth to episode number 12. And uh, we would like to thank you guys for tuning in once again hey. to the Master in Marriage podcast. Um, and before we get started, obviously, you know, for this episode, we're not going to be answering a question. Um, we're going to be digging in and giving you some juicy nuggets, some things that you can use to enhance your marriage, okay? That's right. And we've been getting comments and questions from uh, a lot of people regarding just how bad marriage is for them right now. And so yeah. I, I want you guys to just know that we have your back. Hold on. We're providing resources and tools. Uh, but you guys got you're going to have to work. You're going to have to work your way out of it. Yeah, um, it's it's not easy, yeah, it's but not it's easy. definitely worth it. And no piece of advice that we'll give you will save your marriage without you making the initiative. And without you making a conscious effort yeah. every day. Every day. To love. Every day. And, and, and it's going to take two. It's going to take two. So if definitely. you're doing it and they're not, you know, we're going to pray for you. But just know that it will take two to save your marriage. Yes. You're gonna, you, it's not going to be to do it and by And sometimes itself. you will have one person that's pulling pull it forward yeah. more than the other. Yeah. But it still takes... Yeah. Two yeah. to be in the fight. It's going to take two. And so, I don't know why I just went there, but, you know, someone needed somebody. it. Somebody. needed it. So, we just spoke that to you. Just stay in the fight. Keep your head up. And just know that we got your back, okay? Um, but this podcast episode is brought to you on behalf of MendOurMarriage.com. And on that website, guys, if you go there, if you haven't already, uh, we have a wealth of information for you. We also have a very specialized membership community that's designed specifically for individuals looking to enhance their marriage. Right. You can do that through three different membership features. Uh, and so you can go to www.mendourmarriage.com slash memberships to take a look at the features. We have something for everyone there including new fitness videos, one that we just produced uh, this week. Yeah. That's uh, right. We got one we produce every week. But anyway, so guys, you're in for a treat today. You're in for a treat because we're going to talk about something that I like to talk about, and it's why your marriage may suck. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. Now, let, me, let me not say it that way. But really, it's four reasons why your marriage is failing. Okay. Or, I mean, just to be blunt, you know, four reasons why your marriage may suck right now. Just because it sucks right now doesn't mean that it's always going to suck. Our marriage sucked, you know, a lot for a while, you know, and we almost ended in divorce, and then we had to turn right. some things around. That's right. And I'll start by just saying this. I know me personally, I was not taught how to be a husband. And I don't know about you, Mandy, but mm -hmm. I, I didn't grow up under a solid foundation of marriage in my mm -hmm. household. 
Uh, my mom and dad were uh, divorced at a young age, and between the both of them, there was a series of, you know, failed marriages. And mm-hmm. so I didn't get that proper model, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when I got married to you, right, mm-hmm. I didn't have the right temperament. I didn't have the right positioning of a husband. And it's not to discredit my parents. It's just the byproduct of divorce. That's what happens when you grew up in a divorced household. You learn right. things, right. you know, and sometimes they're not the right things. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. Um, that's pretty much your situation mm-hmm. mirrors my situation. My parents um, were actually married twice to each other. Okay. And, um, All right. And so, you know, and then between them, they had a few, you know, a few different marriages. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I don't look at it as being something embarrassing or like, like, like you said, David, you know, something degrading. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we've definitely learned from our parents' mistakes and the things that, you know, now that they've learned from and they're moving forward, you know, and so now we're taking what they learned and we're applying it to our marriage and helping other marriages. Yeah. And, 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 and that was one of the reasons why I chose the field of psychology. You know, at the end of the day, it was because I wanted to learn how to overcome the mistakes of my past, but also how to help other people do that. Exactly. And so I've made a living off of studying human behavior and, the human mind, and I really love, there's some fascinating things, guys, that I'm going to share with you today, some some research stuff that once you know, you can apply to your marriage, okay? So mm-hmm. we're not just going to give you a feel-good podcast, a hoorah, you know, leave here, you can share it everywhere. We're going to give you some actual practical stuff that the moment you get it, it'll change some things. So that I hope you y'all ready. you can still share it You can share, oh no, definitely share it. <laughs> but just know that this is stuff that is not going to just stroke your ego. This is real life research and empirically validated information. And we want you to be objective yes. and really see if you can resonate with any of yes, these things. Yes, yes, Because it may help you to be objective Ooh. and figure out what to do to save your marriage. Yes. So let's go ahead and dive in. So and here's the thing right here. So as humans, we dislike being uncomfortable. Right. Okay? And whenever we're threatened, we're automatically going to protect ourselves. It is ingrained in us to be pleasure-seeking, pain-avoiding creatures. Mm-hmm. So we don't like stuff that don't make us feel good. We don't like being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? And so not even just pain, but discomfort. You know, and I don't know, like, if you ever put on a shirt, maybe, and you had, like, maybe a piece of dog fur, something would just irritate in the back of your neck. Usually that tag. I hate that. I hate oh, yeah, that. that tag. And it's just discomfort. I hate them. And that whole day, we we reaching back there trying to make sure that we fix it right. Because humans, we just don't like being uncomfortable. And... Like, upon first thought, you're going to probably say, okay, what does this have to do with the four things that is the reason why my marriage sucks? But check this out, guys. Check this out. So, so the parallel is simple. For humans, like I said, we are pain-avoiding, pleasure-seeking creatures. And when we are in a situation that is uncomfortable for us, we are more likely to automatically fall back on doing things that, that's comfortable. So let's take a marriage, a two relation, a relationship between two individuals, and let's say that there's a conversation that comes up, and I am trying to communicate in a way that I'm not comfortable communicating. It's just not natural for me. Usually, at the end of the day, I'm gonna revert back to what's natural for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever watched like couples. Let's say you have a, 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 a multiracial couple. You know, somebody who's maybe Spanish speaking, and then someone who's you know English speaking, and they're arguing. You'll notice that normally, you know, the person that's Spanish speaking, they'll revert back to speaking in their native tongue when they're arguing. Because it's just normal. It's more natural for them. It's easier. Yeah. And so this podcast is all about 
how you communicate and what's natural to you, what's normal for you. And we're going to challenge you to do something different starting today. But in order to do that, you have to do like what Mandy said. You have to be objective, which means you have to pay attention to what you say, how you say it, when you say it, and why you say it. Right. You got all four of those? Mm -hmm. What you say, how you say it, when you say it, and why you say it. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't that self-aware. I'm just being honest. Mm-hmm. And so... And wh- I think another... I yeah. think a reason that is is because a lot of times we congregate with people who reassure those things in us. Yes. We get around people who agree with us all the time and not people who actually challenge us to think outside the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And And in the relationship... Your spouse will be your mirror. So they're going to reflect back to you everything at some point in the relationship. And even if you are trying to ignore the truth, it's still going to be looking right at you. And so I want you to be very self-aware of how you communicate. So, and, and before I dive deep, I want to talk about like what causes most marriages to end. And I want to ask you guys a question. And Mandy, you can't cheat, okay? Don't tell them the answer because you know it already. <laughs> no, but so I want I want to take a minute and ask you guys, what causes marriages to fail? What's the number one thing that causes marriages to fail? Okay, you got your answer. Is it infidelity? <laughs> is it is it infidelity? Is it money? Is it falling out of love? Is it differences in parenting styles? Is it wet towels on the bed? What is it that you feel caused marriages to fail the most? What about not having enough in common? Is that an answer? Huh. What about in-laws or spending too much time with the boys or mm-hmm. mismanaging money or trust issues? What about maybe it's trust? What do you think, baby? Is it trust? <laughs> you know what? I've asked some people before, and they said they think it's finances. Finances? Some people may say that. And you know what? Some marriages may end over finances. But let's let's talk about what research has shown us the number one reason why marriages fail. Tell us, baby. And if you think it's any of those aforementioned symptoms, unfortunately, you're wrong. But before I give you the answer, I want to introduce you to somebody. His name is Dr. John Gottman. And Dr. John Gottman is the director of Seattle University's Love Lab. Yes, there is an actual place called the Love Lab. Hey. And it's not what you think it is, so don't be y'all nasty. And Mandy, you over there thinking nasty thoughts. You need Jesus no, and deliverance. No, I was just thinking love Nasty again. self. <laughs> no, you I'm must stop. be thinking nasty. <laughs> but anyway, so Dr. John Gottman, he's the director of Seattle University's Love Lab and the founder of the Gottman Institute. Now, some of you guys who, you know, read a lot of books and things like that may know a little bit about the Gottman Institute. Uh, but he has literally studied thousands and thousands and thousands of couples for decades. That's a lot. Not just a decade, but for decades. And by dissecting every nuance of their interactions from eye rolls to shrugs, he can predict, get this guys, he can predict within 94% accuracy whether or not the relationship will eventually dissolve. And actually, he actually says he can predict within 94% accuracy whether or not the relationship, the marriage will end within 10 years. I mean, that research is crazy. It's awesome, but it's scary. It's scary. And he's learned this by studying the mannerisms and not just the big 
expressions, but the micro expressions. Like what what they would do is, and, and there's this awesome book by well, the way, well, guys. Let's slow down real quick. Uh-huh. Tell them what a micro. Well, that's why I, I was about to do that. Oh my yeah, bad. no, that's okay because you got hype. I'm um, gonna make sure. They but understand. there's there's this book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. He's the author of The Tipping Point. Get it if you haven't gotten it because he talks about Dr. Gottman's research regarding micro expressions. He actually calls it thin slicing. Mm-hmm. And what he does is he will, Dr. Gottman will record a couple, say like you and your spouse. You guys are sitting and he, you guys are sitting in chairs in front of a camera talking about a normal everyday conversation. So you guys may be talking about doing the dishes or walking the dog or what you guys are going to eat for dinner or the movie y'all watched last night. And what he does is he records five-minute segments of the conversation. And then what he does is he will take that conversation and literally chop it up, get this, into seconds. So he will take that five-minute conversation and chop the, the conversation down into seconds. And so if you know a movie, you know, there all there are is a series of a lot of pictures. Mm. And so once he slows it down into seconds, he could start them to look at the very minute changes in your physical features. So there may be a a slight, slight little flicker in your left eye when he brings up the conversation about his mom coming to stay with y'all next week. You know, there may be a a slight downward smirk that you don't know you're doing, but you do very quick. And those are micro expressions. And we all do it. And I've actually gotten better at reading them because as a mental health therapist I have to be able to not only read what my client is saying but read their body language mm-hmm. um, and actually research shows that the majority I think it was 75% of human communication is nonverbal, and so all Dr. Gottman has done is actually learn how to study the body expressions that people have that they are not aware of the micro expressions so the little lines that's in your forehead when someone says something that offends you when that when you when you get your brow and you frown up a little bit that little micro expression or the little smirk that you get when someone says something offhand and you try not to say something smart but Mm -hmm. the smirk comes really quick before you get back onto your poker face you know those things he studies that and he, he matches that to the actual conversation and that's where he finds Four different traits that cause the most issues in marriage. Mm-hmm. Like once, once he, once he archived all of the data, and just stick with me, guys. Once he archived all of the data, he was able to find four traits, four traits that actually were like these four traits. If they were available in the conversation, they were the most reliable predictors. As to whether or not the relationship would end. That's crazy. Well, these must be pretty darn important. I'm telling you, four traits. And and when he saw these four, especially in combination with each other, he was able to predict with a 94% accuracy whether or not that relationship would end in 10 years. Mm. Just off of four traits. That's crazy. That is. That is just like ridiculous. If somebody was to tell me that, I'd be like, yeah, right, that don't make sense. But wait till you hear these things, guys. And so... He calls these four traits the four horsemen. And so I just added another word, word to it. And I say, or actually two words, no, three words. <laughs> I call them the four horsemen of failed relationships. And actually for the conversation, let's just say these are the four horsemen to failed marriages. Mm-hmm. Okay? So these four traits include this. Number one is, and these are not in a particular order, but these four traits are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. 
So criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. So let's go ahead and talk about each of these. You ready, babe? Because we're going to... We, I'm ready. See, when we get to these discussions, people, they're out there hurting. Yeah. And they call in and asking for advice. And I'm not just going to give them some feel-good message. We're going to give them some truth. Yeah, that's what, that's what we need. That's what we need. And unfortunately, most people want to be entertained. And they don't really want to do the changing and so we're going to give them some stuff that's going to force them to change. That's okay? That's so good. here are the four horsemen to failed marriages. All right. Let's, let's start with, and, I, and I'm going to start with criticism. Okay? All you, right. What, what do you think criticism means, baby? Well, criticism is when you're attacking your partner's personality or their okay. character by saying something like, you know, you never do something. Like, you never take out the garbage. You never hold me. You never, you know, change the the baby's pampers. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. No, that's actually pretty good, baby. Criticism is a global condemnation of a person's character, and it often leads to the second horseman, which is defensiveness. So we'll get to that in a minute. Even why questions are yes, included yes. in Yes, Why questions are, are probably the worst questions to ask because it immediately gets you on the defensive. And there's a better way to ask those quote-unquote oh, why gonna, questions. Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But here's what Dr. Gottman says about that. Dr. Gottman found that, get this, ladies. Ladies, I need you to listen. <laughs> Dr. Gottman found that women are more likely to be critical in relationships. And it, you know what? It makes perfect sense. Because most dudes, including myself, we don't know how to treat a woman in a marriage. We, we don't. And so we kind of force you guys to get into mommy critical mode. Why you ain't taking out the trash? Or why you ain't mowing the lawn? Or why you just sitting on the couch in your drawers and socks playing video games while I'm out working all day? <sighs> that was a long one. <laughs> you did that too good. But I'm just saying, like, so it's kind of, it, it makes sense that he would find that women are more critical because dudes... Come on, y'all. We got to step it up. We got we to gotta love our wives better. We do. And, and you know what? I have found that often in relationships, especially in marriage, our partners are a looking glass. Now, you've heard me say that before. Or you heard me say that your spouse is your mirror. So think about it. They reflect all of the good, all of the bad, all of the ugly that is already in you. And at its deepest level, check this. Now, some people may disagree. But at the deepest level, I often critique the very thing in my wife that I dislike in myself. Mm -hmm. Now, it may not be to the T, but if there's a, a characteristic flaw that I have that I see my wife like demonstrating, I'll critique that in her because that's the thing that I don't want to be exposed in me. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that, baby? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think that when we use the example of a mirror, I mean, think about it. When you get married... You know, a lot of times when you're single, you get to go ahead and come home and you get to let your hair down. So mm -hmm. you can act one way in front of the world, quote unquote, and at work. But then when you're single, you can come home and you can act and, you know, feel however you want to. But when you get married and you try to do that same thing, your <laughs> spouse is going to challenge you yes. on that. Yes. They're going to challenge you about being lazy. They're going to challenge you, you know what I'm saying, about not taking care of things that you said you were going to take care of. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when you were single, you could put it off for however long because yeah. it's just you. It's just you. And now as a married, you so know. you're going to be held accountable. You're going to be held accountable. It's not that they're being mean. It's just that you're on a team now. Now, and not just you by yourself. But sometimes it becomes hypercritical. Yes. Especially if the wife is not happy with the quality of the relationship. Or husband. Or husband. But. Based off research, we know that women are going to be more critical. But no, dudes are too. Yeah, we are. Because I could be both, critical. Both sides this brother home. here could be critical. Oh, yes, <laughs> hey, now, you got to tell that. No, I'm joking. But no, but so 
So we just got to be aware of that. We know what criticism is. We have to be aware of that. Most people do it by default. And criticism, like I said earlier, leads to the second horseman, which is defensiveness. Right. And so defensiveness often involves rebutting your partner's complaint with your own. So, for instance, if I say, you know, baby, uh, you didn't clean the bathroom sink. What's going on? And then she says, well, I didn't do that, but... You shouldn't be leaving toothpaste everywhere. That's a defensive statement. And it doesn't get it doesn't get you anywhere. No, it doesn't. It, doesn't it just solve keeps the cycle anything. going. Exactly. And you know, I feel like this, you know, and some people may try to fight this, but whatever. I'm just gonna say it Uh-oh, like this. You I know, gotta hear this. I, <laughs> I like it when baby get juicy. If that sounds if your weird. spouse comes to you, you know, with something or whatever, I mean, of course, neither one of you is ever going to be perfect in doing everything you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be servant leaders, leading by example. Yeah. So even if your spouse isn't doing everything that they're supposed to be doing, it's not supposed to be tip for tat. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, you know what? I've already asked you to do X, Y, and Z, but I'm going to keep up what I'm yeah. supposed to be doing. I'm going to lead by example. If yeah. I have to be the strong one in this season, then so be it. Well, and remember, marriage is not 50-50. It's not. It's, it's 100 zero. Well, <laughs> let's let's fix this. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. It's a hundred, hundred. Each person has to give. But I know 100%. what you mean too. Hundred zero. Yeah, which meaning that I have to give a hundred no matter what you give. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. And, and so we're on the same page. I we got are. you, baby. Mm-hmm. I got you. I got you, baby. But, so think about this. Defensiveness is is amazing because as humans, we are pain avoiding creatures. We automatically protect ourselves, like. Here's the beauty of the body. The body is designed to heal itself. It's designed to protect itself. And my preacher, now why you got your hand like that? Okay, I got to stay focused, baby. You distracted. But the, the body is even designed to protect itself. And yes. so that's, that's who we are as humans. And so when we perceive that someone else is attacking our self-perception, almost by default, we feel compelled to defend it. And so both defensiveness and criticism include or actually influence the third horseman. Okay. So we got criticism. We got defensiveness. Mm-hmm. The third one I said was stonewalling. Now, based off the word stonewalling, you guys can probably ascertain what stonewalling means. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll just give you a brief definition. It means clamming up or refusing to, ha- refusing to hash oh. things out. <laughs> refusing to hash things out with your partner at all. So... Of course, guys, fellas, my brothers, this is something that we usually go to by default. Whereas women are more critical, the more critical, more criticism we get, the more likely we are to stonewall. Guys, we don't like to be exposed. We don't like our junk to be, okay, that was about to sound weird, our junk to be out. Yeah. (laughs) Our issues to be out. We don't like to air our dirty laundry. Mm -hmm. We have issues, we like to keep those hidden. We don't we don't like to be proven wrong and it, we definitely don't like to be proven wrong by no woman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so we often if like we are found out or we are just at a point where we can't take it anymore, we often revert in inwardly or we we do the stonewalling. And like I said before, I mean it does go both ways and I understand the research, mm-hmm. but David and I were actually the opposite. Well, we used to be. I think I've I, That's I, why I said we were. Okay, the okay, okay. Cuz I know now I I could be a little bit more stonewalling when I'm that focused. I could kind of go back, go to my my island, and just kind of be by myself. You know what I mean? But you haven't done it in a while. No, no, but no. 
We haven't done it in a, in a, in a while. In a while. <laughs> but, um, but I'm just saying, like, when we were really going through... Oh, I was hypercritical. In our, in our marriage, yeah. it was the opposite for yeah. us. Yeah. David was the one that was hypercritical. Yeah. And I learned how to stuff my emotions. Yeah. Mandy had a poker I, face. I, I just... Because David, look, he... By nature, you know, he's already, he's already, you know, a strong personality (laughs) and I was a strong personality as well. And coming to the marriage, I said, okay, I'm going to let him be, you know, the strong one because that's just the way, you know what, (laughs) that's just the way, you know, I want it to be. I wanted him to be able to lead, you know. Dr. Godman's research shows that men are more likely to be, uh, to do stonewalling. Um, for men, I've found that if we're not trained to explore our emotions, we often avoid them altogether. That's me. I wasn't trained to explore my emotions, and so I often avoid them, especially because I grew up around women, and I didn't want to be seen as feminine. We often just completely avoid our emotions. As little boys, get this, guys. We're t- And also, I'm going to say this. If you're telling your son this, you need to stop it. So I'm going to say this first. Mm-hmm. As little boys, we're told not to cry and that boys have to be strong. As if express, as if saying that expressing emotions is a sign of weakness, right? And that, and that's that's all. That's one of those small brainwashing tools that little boys learn at a young age. That when they're crying and a mom or a dad says, "Be strong," mm-hmm. what they're really learning as boys is that if I cry, that means I'm weak. And so that means that when we mature into men, we don't cry. We hold all those painful things inside, and then we explode in anger and turn to the Hulk. Instead of just having one good crying session and letting it out, and then we'll be good again. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so, so just remember that. If you're telling your little boy, don't cry because you want to be strong, you, you don't want him to learn that crying means weakness. Okay? Exactly. So, so, and we avoid the pain and often shut down, shut down as a way of coping with the problem. And after all, who wants to truly admit that their dirty laundry smells? Mm-hmm. I don't know one person that likes to admit that their socks are gamey. Sucking your socks gamey, okay? Just be honest. Just be honest, okay? So it sad. happens. <laughs> what do you think about that before we go to contempt? I mean, I honestly think that you covered it pretty much. And I, you know, I kind of went into the twilight zone. You did. When I was explaining mine. Yeah. But just remember, it can go both ways. And just remember to have balance. Yeah. And make sure that is constructive criticism instead of hyper Oh, hey, hey, we get that. We get hey, to that. Hey, hey, you, you just jumping hey, all double dutch. hey. Double Dutch, cause the rope will smack you. No, wow! <laughs> you know you ain't never, you ever I got smacked in the that. face with the rope when you? Maybe, maybe before. Okay. Maybe you know, but I, I was, I was a beast at the double Dutch. Oh, the, maybe <laughs> that was you. No, I never tried it. I was, I was always the guy that was having to swing it for my sisters. Oh, you know? I see. But anyway, so <laughs> let's go to the fourth, and this is the most deadly horseman of them all. My lord. Contempt. Mm. This last horseman is a special one, in a bad way. Check this out, guys. If Dr. Gottman observed one or more partners in a relationship showing contempt towards the other, he considered it the single most important sign that the relationship was in trouble. The single most important sign. So I'm going to talk about what contempt is. Contempt involves putting your partner down. Now, not just like putting them down lightly, but saying stuff like, you're stupid for believing that or you're too fat. Or you are a beep, you know, calling them a curse word, you know, right, cursing right. at your spouse, right. you know, calling them something that's not that you shouldn't be saying. Call you know, them what I mean? the name. Uh, exactly. Contempt differs from criticism in that it is made from a superior plane. 
Right. So it's almost like you're looking down on your exactly. Like That's, you got it all together, and they the one got the. And issue. so you're speaking down to them. Yes. So contempt is any comment made from a higher level. It debases the other individual, right? It is it, it's, it's it's like ra- racism. Pretty much, it's kind of similar to what racism is. You know, contempt is closely related to disgust. And what disgust and contempt are all about is completely excluding someone from the community. So the moment you start to talk down to your spouse and call them names or make very strong, opinionated statements about their character, what you're really doing is excluding yourself from them. Now, remember, go back to the definition of love and marriage, guys. I want you guys, you got to put, put all this stuff together. The concept of love and marriage is to give. Mm-hmm. So imagine the moment I cause or allow contempt to be in my communication, mm-hmm. I'm actually taken away. I am separating myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not drawing myself closer. I'm excluding myself. And actually, not just on a linear plane, I'm putting you beneath me. Mm-hmm. And here's why contempt is so dangerous is because contempt can trigger pa- past pain and trauma and can really lead to some ugly things being either said or done in the relationship. So if you've ever gotten into a physical altercation with your spouse, it's usually because it was triggered by a contemptuous comment. Yeah. You know, and so thankfully, I, me and Mandy, we've never done contempt, but we've done the other three. <laughs> we might have thought some contempt stuff. No, I'm joking. I, I don't Mandy. know what Mandy, what Mandy, Mandy, you call, you ain't been cussing at me, have you? No. Because I'm going to pray again. No. You know, I'll pray for your little self in, Please. in Jesus' name. I'll pray for you Okay, because you can cuss it at me. Now I'm joking. But <laughs> so, 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 okay, guys. I hope those four made sense to you. Mm-hmm. We got criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, and contempt. Mm-hmm. And those, you have to get this. You have to get this. And so most of you guys are wondering, okay, Dave, Mandy, what the heck, what do we do? I have all 40s. I say this stuff. I said it to my spouse last mi- couple minutes ago. So saying it right now. I'm saying it right now. You know what I mean? So, okay, is there any hope? And check this out, guys. I've found that in most relationships, including my own, if these four traits are present, the condition of the relationship is going to be very rocky and unstable. And the truth of the matter is this, is that we do all of these, okay? That in and of itself is not the problem. It's when these things go unchecked, mm-hmm. when we don't notice that we do them, mm-hmm. when we don't change it. Mm-hmm. That's what drives the relationship apart. Exactly. Yeah. What you think about that, baby? Yeah, I think when these things become the norm and you just get used to them happening. Yeah. And they happen so much to where one day you just get tired and it just explodes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it gets out of control. Yeah. Whereas if you recognize yourself. Yeah. Um, in any of these categories, you know, you all can put together an action plan to see, okay, well, hey, when we notice us getting to this place, we're going to do this to defuse yeah. the situation. And you know what? Speaking of action plan, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's go ahead and give them just a little tangible action plan that they can yes. start to incorporate because yes, I appreciate you saying that. Let's, let's talk results. Let's give them something that they can use today. So here's what you can do to keep this from happening. All you need to do is learn some techniques to combat them. And I would even say before you learn the techniques, do what Mandy said. Be self-aware of how you communicate. Like really listen to the words you say and pay attention to how they affect your spouse. Mm -hmm. This all goes back to what you said, baby, about learning your spouse, right? Mm -hmm. You have to study them. And you got to know when you say certain things, you got to know how it affects. Like, and and you can ask Mandy, I ask her so many questions. And if I say something, I notice that 
verbally she gives me a response, but I see in her face that she gives me a different response, what do I usually say? Oh, uh, what do you say? Okay, I put her on the spot, and she she was supposed to help me. Uh-huh. I gave I her Ali you exact words, but at the same time, he does not. I, let I it usually go. ask her, "What is she really saying?" I usually say, "Babe, what do you?" What, okay, I saw, I heard what you said, but your face says something different. That's true. And I usually ask her until she is honest with what she said. Yes, you Lord. I mean? <laughs> uh oh. But anyway, it used to be worse. It used to be worse. <laughs> but for instance, so like, here's something you can say: If your spouse says you haven't been helping around with the dishes. Don't immediately come back with, yeah, but you haven't been pitching around with the dog, the dog walking. You know, don't, exactly. don't immediately come back with a retort. Instead, what you should do is hear what they have to say and then acknowledge it. So listening and then giving a verbal receipt is all about giving, okay? So listen to what they say and then acknowledge it. You know what? I, I hear what you're saying. And, and if I'm correct, you're saying that... I'm really honest, you don't feel like I'm helping around as much as you're doing. And I think once you do that, what you do is give them an opportunity to clarify what they're saying. No, what are, it's really, I, you helped out with the other stuff, but it's just the dishes. And I'm kind of tired of washing them all the time. And then you can come on and develop a plan of action for that. You know what I mean? And so, but I want to I go even deeper. I want to give you something even deeper. Something for you guys to remember, okay? You ready, you ready for this, baby? Ready, come on. <laughs> so think about this. Real, real, Number one, you want to replace negative generalizations. Like, don't use the word never or always in a conversation, especially an argument. Yes, those are absolute. Don't use those absolutes. So, matter of fact, take those out of your vocabulary when you're arguing. Don't use never always. Mm -hmm. Or even like, you don't do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Just take those toxic words out. But here's another one that you can do. While couples tend to hone in on the prevalence of negative interactions... Uh, to predict whether or not they will split, the prevalence of positive interactions is equally important. So pretty much what I just said in a nutshell, that it's very important to use positive things in the conversation as well as the negative things. So according to Gottman, check this out. This research is going to blow your mind, guys. According to Dr. Gottman, the ratio of positive to negative interactions in your daily conversation should be 20 to 1. Wow. So what that means is that for every one negative word that you say or one negative comment that you say to your spouse, you should balance that out, not with one positive, but with 20 positive words. So that's the 20 to 1 ratio. With every one negative word, balance it out with at least 20 in your normal everyday conversations. That would be a challenge for most of us. Oh, my gosh. But get this. In arguments, it's 5 to 1. So for every one negative word, you have to use five positive interactions. That means that while you are arguing, you have to be present enough to say five positive things for every one negative thing. Mm. Okay? That is difficult. So normal conversations is 20 to 1. So, and that's just because you want to dig a nice, healthy foundation. Build a healthy habit of being positive towards your spouse. Mm-hmm. So for every one negative comment, you've got to give them 20. Elsewise, it's going to be not equal, okay? Exactly. And an unjust balance is an abomination. And I know you're probably thinking, <laughs> like, who is actually going to concentrate on 20 to 1 or 5 to 1? But you also have to understand, if you are walking in the concept of loving, yes. and love, love is giving. It's giving. And your focus is always to give, give, give yep. on both the husband there and you wife. Go. You got it, baby. Side, then it's, it's just going to be an, a, a no-brainer. Yeah. It's going to be natural. Yeah. 
you know, so you won't have so many things, so many critical things coming out of your mouth yes. because you'll just be giving. Yes. You know, automatically. Yeah. And, and 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 that's just it is what it is. The research shows us that this is what makes marriage more effective. You have to change how you communicate. Communication was the number one thing that we got back on our surveys of what people are struggling with, struggling with in their marriages. Exactly. And so 20 to 1. So for every negative word you say, you got to combat that with at least 20 positive things. And then in arguments, it's 5 to 1. And and also, please, please understand that getting the last word does not mean that you're the strongest. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that you're the, the most witty or the, the smartest. No. That just means that you're childish. <laughs> Uh-oh. Step so on somebody's toes. And that's fine. And Toe that's fine, You know, so <laughs> just going back and forth and throwing things back and yeah. forth, you know, to, you know, on each other. It's just going to create further, you know, hurt. Division, yeah. And, and open up more and more wounds. Yeah. And if you're supposed to be a team, even in your hardest times, somebody's yes. going to have to give. Somebody's got to give. And honestly, the person who actually takes the initiative to give in yeah. that situation is the strongest. And you should be the first to apologize. No matter who was wrong. You have to learn the art of the apology. And again, that that's going to be another extreme. podcast, though. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, a child can very easily throw a tantrum, yeah. throw things, yell and scream. Yeah. So if it's that easy for a child, then the opposite, you know, will will actually be true as far as somebody being strong. Yeah. So can you control yourself, maintain your composure when the other person may be attacking you, you know, verbally, or yeah. they may be saying something that you feel is attacking your character, yeah, or something that's not true, yeah. And and so what we're really saying, guys, is yes, marriages, especially having a healthy marriage, takes work. It's gonna take work. It's gonna that's take right. commitment. It's gonna take a daily commitment. That's right. You can't take a. A vacation while you're married. You can't, okay, figuratively speaking. Okay, y'all need to <laughs> no, vacate somewhere. No, go vacate. Go vacate. Yeah, go somewhere. But remember, your primary role in marriage is to give. Exactly. And we cannot hammer this nail enough. It's to give. Give, give, give. Uh, I've, I never saw this played out when I was a little boy. Um, and, and instead, I learned how to protect myself. So then when I got married, I came to marriage and still learned how to protect myself. And so I had to relearn or actually learn, unlearn how to protect myself and learn how to be vulnerable to my wife, you know. And so, husbands, you have to be vulnerable with your wife. You have to, okay? And I'll just say this other one thing here. You know, a lot of people out there are parents, and you think about how, how you are with your children, you know, how you wake up thinking about what they need and what you're going to do for your children. Mm -hmm. I mean, we need to also shift that to our spouses. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying set your kids aside, but at the same time, we should have the same mentality. Come on. Forgiving Amen. with our spouses. I'm sorry. You're right. You went in. I know. You were preaching a little bit. I did a little bit. <laughs> but you know what, guys? It's been about 40 minutes, and we've dropped enough information bombs on you. Remember the four horsemen? You want me to repeat them? Like the here, here it goes. Criticism, mm -hmm. defensiveness, mm -hmm. stonewalling, and contempt. There we go. Your homework, your homework, okay, over the weekend, guys, is I want you to begin to add the amount of positive interactions that you have with your spouse. And decrease the amount of negatives. And remember, I need you to be self-aware. So for every one negative thing, I want you to go go all out and give 20 positives. And it's hard. You're not going to do it every day. We don't do it every day. If I'm exactly. tired, if I'm hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, I'm more likely to fall back into these, you know, these horsemen. So just be aware. And we'll talk about that in, in, in another uh, podcast as well. But just be That's aware. Uh, anyway, we're going to end it here. We're going to land this plane. <laughs> Uh, that's enough for you guys to think about. 
Share this message, guys. There are others that need to hear this. So share That's it, okay? Right. And also, we love, we covet your responses. Your responses, your reviews, your, um, you know, subscribing to the podcast. All of that stuff helps this message go out more. We recently got up to number 33 in the self-help section of the iTunes library. We would like to break the top 20, okay? But we need your help to do that. The way that we can break the top 20 is if you, yes, you that are listening from your iPhone, if once you're done, leave us a rating and a review. Just leave us a rating and review. It's really quick. Literally, it'll take a minute of your time. Right. Okay? Just leave an honest rating and review. If we can get 10 more within the next two days, we'll probably break the the top 20 easily. I say, can can I get... I'm asking y'all. I'm going to just be greedy for a second because this is all about giving. So y'all need to... Get, no, I'm joking. <laughs> can we get 10 of y'all, 10 people... To leave an honest rating and a review. And this is not Over, an offering. This, this is not an offering. Bucket. This ain't a bucket. This is free. This is free. <laughs> but it, it only take a minute to two minutes of your time. Literally, like probably 60 seconds because you don't have to write a lot. But just an honest rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is go to your, the podcast section. Click on the podcast that you listen to. Go to setting or ratings or reviews, rather. And just drop a rating and review. If we can get 10 more. We're going we're gonna to break this top 20. And we thank you in advance. We thank y'all because we really want to break the top 20. And so we that, will be bro- yes. reading reviews on the oh show. Oh, my gosh. And, we will read your review. You yes. We'll shout you out. Shout out. But anyways, guys, we appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Enjoy your weekend. We if appreciate you. If you listen to it on the weekend. And we'll see y'all back on Monday. All right. All right, y'all. We out, y'all. Deuces. Deuces.